you know, the, the, next, the next few moments could do something that could change your life. Could something could change your life? Why? Because in Second Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen through seventeen it says all Scripture is God breathed. All Scripture is God breathed. The, the Bible we read from and learn from and study is not just a storybook. You know, it's the bestseller of all time. It's still in print after quite a lot of years. And it gets translated in, and, and, and translations get changed a little bit and just adjusted just to help us understand it. But anything that takes any adjustment of it that takes it away from it being God-breathed is just reject it. You know, and sometimes we find that people will take the word of God and they will twist it around a little bit so it will suit their culture or how they choose to live their life. But you can't get, you can't get away from the, the grassroots and the rawness of the word of God because it is God breathed. It's the spirit of God speaking to us. So all scripture is God breathed and is useful. How many say, how many of you, let you all say useful. Say useful. I tell you, your Bible is useful. The word of God to you is, is, if you had nothing else, you need the word of God. Even the producers of the BBC's, um, what's it called? Desert Island Disc. Recognize that the Bible is as important as the works of Shakespeare. And they say, you hear what I'm saying? You know, we recognize the Bible is, is powerful. It is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training. Each and every one of us, no matter how wonderful we think we are, how spiritual we think we are, how having it all sorted out and T's crossed and I's dotted think we are. The word of God is useful to us for teaching us, for rebuking us, for correcting us and training us in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, we're servants of the Most High God, aren't we? And we have great works for us to do, but we need to be equipped for those. And so it's the Word of God which is going to help us and, ch and, and challenge us and ch tra ch change us and train us. So just by being in the house of God, there, you know, it's a useful place for you to be. It's amazing how many times we don't prioritize being in the house of God. We do all sorts of other things. To sort of fix stuff that's going on in our life, but the house of God, if we could just spend, if we could just commit ourselves. The enemy doesn't want you in the house of God. He, he doesn't. And he's actively seeking ways to keep you out of the house of God. He's actively seeking ways of keeping you out of your local church and serving in your local church because he knows the power of that. He knows the power of receiving in the house of God, the breathed word of God. I know, of course, we can do that every day in our own home, wherever we are. We can read the word of God. We can feed on the word of God. And you should be. 
Amen? You should be. If you don't, you'll dry up. Not only will you look wrinkly on the inside, right? So you'll look wrinkly on the inside. So I want to encourage you this morning that there's some, you're going to hear something. And it's not because I say it, it's because it's the Word of God. It's because it's God breathes. I'm just bringing you what I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to hear. And it may just be one sentence. It may just be one revelation. It may just be one thing you hear this morning. You know, having everything else you, you've, is all around you and everything else going on. You, didn't, you don't hear anything of what I've said bar one maybe thing that will just touch you and change you. Why? Because it's the breathed word of God. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. You may hear something this morning that will train you. You may hear something that would maybe teach you something you never knew before. You may hear something which will say, be an ouch, hallelujah. Because it'll be a little bit of rebuking. You may hear something this morning that may correct you. You may hear something you said, well, you say, well, I've never heard it like that before. Have you heard things this week concerning the Word of God that you would say, well, I've never heard it like that before? That is because you're exposing yourself to the Word of God. And you'll hear, always hear something that you will hear, and it'll be like correcting a little bit and just tweaking, because that's the Word of God, as God breathes. The Word of God doesn't just come to you to pat you on the back and say, there, there, there. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that'd be nice if it did, wouldn't it? There, there, there. Never mind. <laughs> I, I, I gave my life for you, but just, um, just by the way. No. See, if we, if, if we are consistently and continually receiving the Word of God, this God-breathed Word of God, it will be continually teaching us. It'll continually be rebuking us. It'll continually be correcting us, and it'll continually be training us. That's what God said anyway. Take it or leave it. <laughs> I want to read from um, John chapter 7 and verse 37. It was on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It doesn't say little trickles. It's out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Some translations say, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He's speaking of the water that would flow out of the temple on that last day of the feast. That would flow, and it would flow out of the temple. It would flow out under the curtains of the temple that was there. That was, you know, before Jesus had died and had been ripped into. It would come out and it would just flow and it flow and it flow. And that's what God says about you. You know, you're a people as people of God who love God. Out of our hearts, out of our innermost being, should be a flow of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. So who's he talking to? About. <laughs> who's he talking about? He's, because, you know, he's talking, but he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those who believe in him would receive. You know, hello? You got something in you? You know, whatever in us comes out of us. And he said, but concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. 
You know, the church, I, can, I believe, can easily become settled. Believers, we can easily become settled because we get comfortable in what our experience of God has been and, is yet, and we consider it yet to be. And so we get comfortable in, 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 who, in who we are as Christians. And, and thank God we are comfortable. You know, he doesn't want us to be uncomfortable. But sometimes he wants us to just tweak us and shake us up a little bit so that we do get a little bit edgy and think. And then the word of God comes, which is living and powerful and sharp on the two-edged sword which is God breathed, which then brings that correction sometimes and that rebuking and that training and that teaching. Amen. We, don't, you know, we can so easily become settled. If something that is living stops living. You know, I believe things that are living can stop living. And you don't have to be dead to stop living. You hear what I'm saying? You don't have to be dead to stop living. Yes, of course, when we die and our, our natural body dies and it stops living, we stop breathing. But many times we, you know, you don't necessarily have to be dead to stop living because, you know, Jesus said how he came to give us and that we may have life and have it in its, and that's abundance. So if we're not living the abundant life, it's almost like we're the, we're the, we're living, but we're not living. We start like we dried up. And for, for something that is alive to remain alive or to remain living, it has to keep feeding from its life source. You know, we are not the vine, we are the branches. And branches are the fruit-bearing part of a tree or they're the fruit-bearing part of the vine. We are not the vine. And sometimes the vine itself doesn't always appear to be doing very much. You know, it could just be like a stump. It doesn't appear to be doing very much. And the vine itself is, is pretty ugly and not very, not very beautiful, but it's, not, it's, it's when the branches start growing. If you ever watch vines grow, you know, throughout the winter period, they're just stumps. Suzanne's parents used to have a property down in the Loire Valley, and we would go there frequently just for a few days at a time, but we would go frequently throughout the year, and sometimes we would go, and those vines would just be like stumps and rows of sticks. Another time of the year, we'd go, and the vines would be, you know, green and fresh. Another time, we'd go, and the vines would be dripping grapes. But the vine itself didn't seem to be very much. But it was there, and it was continually sustaining. See, the branches are the fruit-bearing part of the, of the vine, the tree. And so the vine in itself doesn't appear to be doing very much, but the vine is provisional to the branches. The branches cannot exist. They cannot produce fruit unless they're connected to the vine. The branches are never going to produce fruit if they're not continually connected to and drawing the nourishment from the vine. And Jesus speaks that, speaks about that. He says that, talks about that in John chapter 15. If Jesus speaks about that, surely it's got to be true. It's not so just something we make up to make ourselves feel better or to, you know, say, well, yeah, you've got to read the Bible. <laughs> oh, you've got to have a relationship with God. Oh, you've got to be consistent in your walk with God. You've got to be continually feeding. No, Paul, 
Jesus spoke about it in John chapter 15. See, the abundant life that Jesus promised is conditional. Jesus said the thief's purpose is to come kill, steal, and destroy, but my purpose is to give you life in all its fullness, or rich, or give you a rich and satisfying life. It's conditional. In staying connected to the source. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without, without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they are gathered, they gather them up and they throw them into the fire. And they're burned. Ouch. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So speaking about God being glorified through us. But we have to remain connected to him. And then when you're connected to him, he says, if when you're connected, when you're continually drawing from the life source, you can ask anything in my name. Well, that's just for the free faith preachers. No, he says, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it for you. Why? Because we're connected to the life source. The very same life with power which raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to each and every believer. Because we have the life of God in us. And sometimes we forget that we have that life in us. And I want to help us with that this morning. See, if we were to look at the, of what we have fed on this week, how much nourishment would we have given to our spirit man? How, how connected would we have continued to stay? See, because the vine is continually, having, is continually drawing Continually drawing doesn't it doesn't say I'm gonna draw the one I'm gonna draw only gonna draw from the, the vine at the weekends. I'm gonna draw from the vine only on Sunday or or just you know every now and again I'm gonna take a draw. No, the vine is continually joined to the branch. So the branch is continually bearing fruits in season, of course. If you look at what we've you fed on this week, how much nourishment have you given to your spirit man? Sometimes we say we're struggling. Oh, we're struggling. Haven't you struggled sometimes? <laughs> There's a few honest people in there. The rest of you are just liars. And some, some things we struggle with. But we, when we struggle, we have, maybe we need to ask ourselves, how much nourishment have we given? We've moved into a property that's got a couple of lawns and they're terrible. Terrible lawns. I don't like terrible lawns. So I'm, I'm having to do some work on feeding them and, and nourishing them to get them to grow, to, to do what they're supposed to so it looks like a lawn, not just a piece of weeds. How many of you got a fruit bowl at home? And you, you put fruit in it, don't you? But the, but the purpose of the fruit bowl... Is, to, is, is not just, or the, so the purpose of fruit is not just to fill a fruit bowl. The purpose of fruit is to produce more fruits. We have a fruit bowl at home. 
We bought pineapple the other day because we like pineapple. And I said to Susanna, well, we need to eat that pineapple. She said, well, we've been here, it looks nice in the fruit bowl. But the fruit bowl with a pineapple, and it's nice, isn't it? Do you hear what I'm saying? But the purpose of the fruit pineapple, when, I, when we bought the pineapple from the store, we didn't buy it to put it in the fruit bowl. Did we? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I bought it to eat the fruit, eat the pineapple. And so, yes, to be fair, it sits in the fruit bowl for a while, it looks pretty in the fruit bowl. But the purpose of fruit is not to fill a fruit bowl. The purpose of fruit is to produce more fruit. That's why when, you, when, you, when, you, I, do, when I do get my lawn growing, it's going to be continually shooting up. I'm going to have to continually be cutting it because it's going to be continually shooting up shoots to produce more fruit. See, the purpose of you living an abundant life is so that others will live the abundant life. It's not just so you can just say, oh, thank God I'm living an abundant life. What a lovely life I'm living. How comfortable I am. How easy things are. I can just take things easy. Like I can just slip, slip back and enjoy my life. No, the purpose of you living the abundant life. See, well, you know, the, the thief has a purpose to come kill, steal, and destroy. And as long as I've got that off my back. But he's off your back and you're living the abundant life so you can help others live the abundant life. See, my life in Christ isn't to be protected and to retain it, it's to be exposed. See, we, we're not born again to shut ourselves away and be weird. You know, and the world outside, looking on at church sometimes, when we just stay, when we just stay insular and just doing our own thing in our, in our own way. You know, we, we used to do a thing years ago when we first started the church that we'd, we'd, we'd put a little list of things out for people who are coming to church for the first time. Basically, it says, why we act weird in church. We said, why we do what we, why we, do, what we do. Because we wanted people to understand why we acted a bit strange. Instead of, instead of just giving God the praise, giving God the glory, and let him do the rest. And sometimes we can stay, we can stay so insular and so, and so comfortable and so weird that we just do stuff for ourselves. And we become this sort of quite strange bunch of people who, you know, we love God, we're going to heaven, we're good people, and we're doing some good works, but not enough. No, and in, 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 in our inactivity, we look a bit strange, we look a bit weird, we look a bit insular. Now, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 14 that we are light, Matthew chapter 5 said, brother, that we are the light of the world. How many, how many of you know that scripture? Yeah? We're the light of the world. And in verse 16, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So he's saying, he's saying you know, let your, the light that I've given you, this abundant life which you have, you let that light shine so before men that they see your good works. They don't just see you being strange and weird because you shut yourselves away. You know, once a week, go into this building with a dinghy bell on top, you know, sing some songs that nobody else knows, you know, pray some things and speaking sort of all different sort of stuff going on, have these rituals that you go through, and then you just go, go home again. Now let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. But you see, your, your life may not look very glorifying to God, but you're done how to stay that way. 
It doesn't have to stay that way. Your life may not look very glorifying. And I tell you, we've got lots of stuff going on in our lives that don't look very glorifying to God. That's sometimes why we shut ourselves away. <laughs> but Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So you can make, you, you, your life may not look very glorifying to God, but you can make a choice. You have a choice to make, you can make a change. So you can make a choice that will work you out of your non-glorifying life. Maybe you need to write that down. Because it, you've got to, just so you get your head around it. You, you can make a choice that will work you out of your non-glorifying life. Romans chapter 18 verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good. For those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. These he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So God is doing a work in us, isn't he? He's doing a work in us. He justified us to make us right with him. Just as if we'd never sinned. Just as if we'd never messed up. He justified us to make us right with him. To sanctify us, to clean us up, if you like. How many of you just know we need a bit of cleaning up? We need a bit of cleaning up. You know, and we need him to help us clean up. But it's a choice we make. We choose to get cleaned up. We choose to make these right choices. And we're to be cleaned up for his purpose. So when we're cleaned up for his purpose, that, so that he can glorify himself through us as we live. See, we're, we're, not, we're not our own, are we? We're bought, the Bible says, with a price. And he's made us his own. See, you have the same life in you that God gave to the first Adam. And like Adam, you can choose how to use it. We choose how to use this life which he gives us. Do you know, anybody know the account of creation? God created the earth. Amen? God created the earth. And he created man, the Bible says, in his own image. It says, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God breathed, the breath of God was breathed into that very first Adam, that first human being he created on the earth. God created Adam, his Bible says, in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female. It says, and the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground. He made him from dust and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Man was, Adam was just a blob, blob, until God breathed life into him. And what did he breathe? He breathed, whose life did he breathe into him? He breathed his life. He didn't take someone else's breath and breathe into Adam. He took his, the very breath of God was breathed in to the life of Adam. And Adam took his first breath. And he became a living being. He breathed his breath into Adam. See, all the power of heaven was breathed into all of mankind. But Adam, of course, made a wrong choice, didn't he? Adam made a wrong choice. And after Adam made a wrong choice, he sent Jesus. 
He sent Jesus. God sent Jesus into this world. And we celebrate that at Easter. After his resurrection, Jesus came to his disciples. Said, When he had spoken to his disciples, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, and when he had said these things, he said, the Bible says he breathed on them. He breathed on them. He breathed on them. And what happened when he breathed on them? He said something too. What did he say? He said, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Anybody born again in here? If you're born again, you, you, when he's breathed his spirit, he's breathed his life into you. You have on the inside of you the very breath of God. And if you've got the breath of God, you've got the life of God. So every believer, church, has the life of God. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. See, if someone comes into a room and breathes on you, you consider it pretty strange. But this is the resurrected Jesus. He breathes on them, the life of God. He breathes on them of himself and says, breathe. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Some people struggle with thinking that the breath of God is is for them and that we can receive it. But how do we receive the breath of God? Well, you received it by faith. Your salvation gave you the breath of God. You breathed it. When you receive the word, we've read it already this morning, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Yeah, we, we receive the breath and the life of God. You know, that's worth, worth getting excited about, isn't it? On the inside of every believer is the life of God, the power of God. Jesus said, all power is given to you, given to me, and he gave it to his disciples. It's powerful that we have the life of God on the inside of us. It's the power of God is available to each and every one of us. And yet so often, as I said right at the beginning, you know, we, we're living, but we're not living. We're not expressing much of the life of God. We've got this light that we've got in us as well. But we, the Bible says we're to show, show it, shine it, behold men, so they'll see our good works and glorify God. And much of the body of Christ seems like it's we're laying in a valley of inactivity. Not much more than a, than a valley, if you like, of, of dry bones. We spoke about this a little bit on Wednesday night. Let me just go there again. But, you know, we speak, the, the, so often the body of Christ can look not much more than, than, than a load of, than, a, than, a, than an image of God, but not the power of God. A form of godliness, the Bible says, but not acknowledging the power of God. And it's the power of God that's going to get people's attention, isn't it? It's the power of God that draws man to himself. Not just a lot of words. But it's the power of God that draws men to himself. And so much of the body of Christ is, can look like a valley of inactivity. How many you believe the church should be more active than it is? As we shine our last light, so shines before men that they see our good works and they glorify God. Sometimes we, 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 we're not ever so active. In the light, I believe if Jesus was walking this earth today, he'd be pretty active. He'd be getting things done. He'd be doing things. He'd be alive. He'd be he'd be active. He'd be he'd be healing someone here and healing someone there, touching someone's life over there, providing provision here. He'd be touching lives. He'd be active. But you see, we are the body of Christ. We are the he is his life is within us. 
You know, sometimes we don't particularly show it very much, and we act like we're just this valley of dryness. How many of you know the story of the valley of dry bones? You say some of you do. But in Ezekiel chapter 37, let me just read that just for a moment. We haven't got time to read it all, but this is the prophet Ezekiel. God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, and he's speaking of the house of Israel. And he's challenging them, and he speaks to them in this way. It's like he gets a vision. He, gets a, he, he sees something in the Spirit. How many of you see things in the Spirit? If we're born again, you know, we have the life of God, we should be seeing things in the Spirit. It says, and the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord. And he set me down in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, in a response to that call of God, and he says, well, yes, you should know. You should know. He put, throws the question, if you like, back on God. And of course, you know, God, you should know whether these bones will live or not. And again, so I answered and said, Yo, Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. What's the word of the Lord? The breath of God. Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And then he goes on in verse 7. He says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together. And the bones came together. They came together. There's these bones coming together. As he is prophesying. What is he prophesying? He's speaking the word of God. Come on, so we, are, so we sometimes underestimate speaking the words of God, speaking the kingdom, speaking, speaking what is coming from us. If you've got the life of God in you, when you speak, something of the life of God should come from you. It's called, it's called being prophetic. Every believer, you may not call yourself a prophet, but you can be prophetic. Don't be pathetic. Be prophetic. You can be prophetic in the, in, the, in, the, in the supermarket queue. You can be prophetic in the doctor's waiting room. You can be prophetic in your, in your school, in your place of education, in your college, in your university. You can be prophetic wherever you are, in your home, into your children's lives. Have you prophesied into your children's lives? Do you want them in church when they're older? Do you want them serving God? Do you want them raising kids that have loved the love of God? Then prophesy into their lives. Speak into their lives. Speak prophetically the word of God because it's God breathed. It's powerful. It's sharp than the two-edged sword. Sometimes it comes as teaching. Sometimes it comes as correction. Sometimes it comes as rebuking. Sometimes it comes as training. But it's being prophetic. Sometimes we, we, we don't do it, and if we don't do it, it is pathetic. Now, we, we have to answer to God sometime. How do you want to stand before him at those gates? <laughs> He's able to say, well done, good and faithful servants. Just so I prophesied, and as I commanded, I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone upon bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered over them, but there was not a breath in them. And he also said to me, prophesy to the breath, 
Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus these, the glory of God come from the four winds, O breathe. And breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And breath came into them. And they all lived and stood up their feet. An exceeding great army. See, sometimes the, 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 the body of Christ needs the breath of God. Breathe, 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 breathe on it. We used to sing a song and you probably sung it. Breathe on me, breath of God. Have you know that song? Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew. That I may love as Jesus loved and do as thou didst do, or something like that. You know, looking at that song, I think, that's not, that's not quite correct. It's, theologically, it's not quite right, because, you know, the body of Christ is, if you're a believer, you've got the breath of God within you. He breathed on you when you received him, when you said yes to him. But now you're a believer. That breath is within you. The breath which is within you should be coming from you into the world where he has placed you. The rivers of living water should flow from out from within the innermost being and touch lives. Making a difference. It's within you, church. The breath of God is within you. The life of God is within you. You are that new creation. See, that, that was speaking, this, this valley of dry bones was just something which Ezekiel could see in the spirit. And God was, but he was trying to say something to him about the house of Israel. And I believe the church of God today, needs, we need to get a fresh, live in the fresh breath of who God is. Live out who, who, what he's put in us. You know, the spirit of God is within each and every one of us. See, with, with, the, with breath, with, with, God's, with, with Jesus speaking and breathing on them, he says, receive the Holy Spirit, came with those words. And so Christ breathed on them that very breath which God breathed into Adam when he was in the Garden of Eden. It's that same breath that we receive when we receive Christ and all that he has done for us. It's like a sponge. You know, we're like a sponge that soaks up water. I don't want to get you wet this morning. I brought a sponge in this morning because I like they're using a sponge. See, when, when, when he breathed on us, we, he says, breathe. He breathed on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus is standing there with a bunch of disciples, people who had been following him, people who had seen him, you know, just, you know, being crucified. Thought everything was lost. The Bible says, and he breathed on them and received the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if you were a sponge? You got a sponge. And you, and you, and you breathe, you can't breathe water, but you, if you imagine breathing water into a sponge. And that sponge would look the same, but it would be full of water. It would be full of what was breathed into it. Just as we are, we're individuals, we're people, but God breathed on us the Holy Spirit. And we, when you said yes to Jesus, he breathed on you and said, be filled with the Spirit of God. I'm not talking about that baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm spirit, spirit, talking about the infilling of the Spirit, which we all receive when we receive Jesus Christ by faith. So you, you imagine, you imagine that if, we, if we're all sponges and we receive this water and we, 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 use it, we say it's breath, but it says, breathe on us and we, we're all sponges full of water. You know, that, that which we've been breathed on, the water that we have been breathed onto us, we've absorbed because we're a sponge. Imagine yourself a sponge and you've been breathed water onto you. So that water is... It was there, now it's not there because it's been breathed into you and you're just, look, you're still the same sponge, but you're full of this breath or this water. So you're full of what you've absorbed. See, when the water comes in, I guess the air goes out. 
and you're full of water. What happens when you squeeze the sponge? What comes out? What's been breathed into you? What have you what you've absorbed? And so, you know, the Bible says out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What should be flowing out of us is what we've is what we've been what we've absorbed. It's in each and every one of you believers. What comes out is the same what was absorbed. If something else comes out, it's because something else has gone in. But Jesus said, out of the innermost heart will flow rivers of living water. He says, well, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You know, what's on the inside of us will come out. What's on the inside, what we absorb comes out. So if we have absorbed by faith the life of God because he breathed on us, then what should be coming out of us is the life of God. We have the, what we have within us, the potential to affect our community with these rivers of living water. With rivers of living water. So, but if something else comes out, it's because something else has gone in. See, the, the life that God has for, us to, has for us to live is way beyond our natural ability. That's why he fills us with himself. He empowers us with himself. He invites us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Even though we live in the flesh, we're not living in the realm of the flesh, are we? God, if you're a believer, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you're not living in the realm of the flesh. Because you've, you've been filled with the life of God. The Bible says, you know, that we are we're new creations. You know, we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but as Christ lives in me. And this life which I live in the flesh, I'm living in the flesh, but I live it by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. See, the Spirit of God dwells in us. The same Spirit that dwells in Christ dwells in us. The life of God, which he breathed into Adam, he breathed into, the, into us as believers. You know, we, are the, we have the power of God. We have the power of God within us. Amen. The power of God, the life of God. And so when we're struggling in th with things in our life, when we're struggling with things, we can draw on the power of God. We can draw on that power when we're struggling. And, and a couple of you struggle sometimes. So we can draw on the power of God. We can draw on that power. We have that supernatural power. That's why we can change situations. We can change those situations. And we know that all things work together for good. We can turn those situations around. We have the ability to turn situations around. We know that all things work together for good. For those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. Whom he called, these he justified. And whom he justified, he has also glorified. He's done everything possible, everything you need for you to turn our, li turn our lives around when we're struggling with things, when we're going through difficult things, because he has filled us with himself. He's filled us with his power. You know, what comes out... Of you when you're squeezed. What comes out of you when you're squeezed? What comes out of me when I'm squeezed? What comes out of me is what has gone into me. And it's the same with you. What comes out of you is what's gone into you. He's put you on this planet. 
to breathe life. He's put you on this planet to breathe life. The life which he's put in you. The life which, which he's put in you. Just stand on our feet as we close out this morning. But he's put, on, he's put in you the life of God. He's put in you that same life which he breathed into Adam. He's put in you that life to breathe life out. So if you were feel, if he breathed that life into you and you got that sponge, you've absorbed everything of the life of God. Everything of the life of God. It's in you. It's in you. And he wants it to come out. He, 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 he wants to breathe life into you. Well, he has breathed life into you. So when we sing a song that says, breathe on me, breath of God, fill me with life in you. He's already done that if you're a believer. That I may do, that I may love as you loved and do as you would do. It's already in you. It's already in you. It's already in you. Have you got the life of God in you? Got the life of God in you. I want to encourage you this morning to let that life flow. The life of God is in this house this morning. The life of God is in this house because the life of God is in you. So where the life of God is, anything can happen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that where the life of God is, anything can happen? If Jesus Christ was walking this earth, if he was was walking these aisles, anything could happen. Anything can happen. Let's worship God for a moment. Thank you.